When I was a kid, my younger brother Corey would do anything I dared him to do as long as I paid him a dollar. True story. I would say, uh, hey, Corey, I dare you to jump off the swing when it's at the highest part of its arc. And he would be like, no, that'll hurt. And I'd say, I'll give you a dollar. And he'd be like, okay. <laughs> and he would do it. And I would get a good laugh at my brother's expense for a dollar. Uh, it was great. And most of the things that I dared him to do were, were generally kind of dumb, um, but also attainable. Uh, <laughs> there are some people in this world, though, who do some stuff that I think probably started with a dare. Um, I want to show you an example of that. If you get vertigo, though, you may want to keep your hand over your eye. Watch. It's, this is incredible. If you want to see more of that, you can just go on YouTube and search for People Are Awesome. Um, what if I told you that today, I want to dare you to do something even more awesome than that? I do. This is a big dare. I'm going to dare you today to be generous. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, man, we came to church when they're talking about money. Ethel, hide your purse. You know, um, and those of you watching online are like, hey, if he gets obnoxious, we can just turn it off. Cool. Um, of course, you can do that every week. Uh, but if you're, that's what you're thinking, relax. Now, to be fair, I, I might step on your toes at some point. But what we're talking about is way, way bigger than just um, money. Generosity is about more than writing big checks or lots of checks or lots of big checks. It, it, generosity is an attitude that leads to action. Generosity is an attitude that leads to action. We're in a short sermon series today called The Generosity Dare. My dad was here last week to start it off talking about being generous with our 
uh, homes. Uh, today we're talking about being uh, giving generously. Next week Fred is going to talk to us about sharing our witness generously. Generosity, though, is an attitude that leads to action. And there are several places, lots of places, where we see this in Scripture. We see it in Acts chapter 20. Starting in verse 32, Paul is is saying goodbye to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And he says this, he says, I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And then he gives this little defense of himself. He says, I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know how these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. While Paul was starting the church there in um, Asia Minor, kind of what my dad was talking about last week, he worked physically, made tents, literally made tents with his own hands to support his own ministry. He says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul's saying goodbye to the elders. He's going to Jerusalem. He fully believes that he is going to be captured or killed there. Now, why is Paul going to Jerusalem? Why is he risking his life to deliver an offering? He's going to Jerusalem to deliver an offering taken up by the churches of Asia Minor to the Christians in Jerusalem there, the mother church risking his life to deliver an offering. What? That's how much it matters. (laughs) See, what you need to understand is that the mutual generosity of the local church was what was fueling global evangelism. The generosity of the local church was fueling global evangelism. Their willingness to share with those who were in need was creating a culture that was winning people to Christ all over the world. See, that's our big idea this morning. That's what I want you to hear me say today. Because our generosity is what fuels local and global mission, God is daring his church to be as generous as he is. That's what I want you to get today. So how do we take this dare? It's not like riding your bike down the side of a mountain, right? It's not like jumping out of the swing when it's at the highest part of the arc. It's bigger, it's more important. How do we take this dare? How do we become more generosity? What is biblical generosity? Those are some good questions. Let's try to answer them. Here's the first one. What is biblical generosity? We get a hint of it in Acts 20. Paul's deeply moved as he's telling these Ephesian elders about the generosity of the Macedonian Christians. But in order to really understand it, you've got to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and you've got to listen to Paul tell the Corinthian church about the Macedonian Christians' generosity. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. You've got your Bible app there, uh, you can do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Now, before we get into this passage, I-, I want you to understand what Paul means when he uses the word generosity. Right? The word generous used in 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 8 through 9 means simple, open-handed, no strings attached to giving. It's here, and you let go of it. It's just, you're done. The motive is, is clearly expressed. There's no hidden agenda. It's just here. You take this, do something good with it. That's what the word generosity in this passage means. And I want you to keep that in mind as we read this text together. What, what, what is generosity? Listen. And now, brothers and sisters, 
We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How do you do that? We'll talk about it. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. A lot of talk about privilege in our culture. You realize if you give, you have privilege? Hmm. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So what is real biblical generosity? Let me present four options. Let's just look at what, what could it be. Here's the first one. Maybe it's just what I feel like giving. Maybe that's what it is. Some would say the biblical generosity is just giving what you hand, have on hand at the time, whatever happens to be in your pocket. And on some level, that's true. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter four, 5, verse 42, give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. There's an implied spontaneity there, isn't there? Someone says, hey, can I have, sure, yeah, here, just whatever you feel like doing at the time. It, it, it's a very spontaneous, open-hearted kind of way to live. Is, is that what biblical generosity is? Well, it's part of it, but it's not all of it. Well, so maybe, here's the second thing, maybe it's a tithe. Maybe it's a tithe. For Israel, the tithe was 10% of all their income before taxes. A true tithe is pre-tax, and here's why I say that. A tithe is that God not only get, God gets the first 10%. The, the point of, of Israel's life in, in generosity was to give God the first and best of what they had. So it's God gets the first 10%, the best of what you have. First fruits, if you've seen that phrase when you're reading your Old Testament. It's this idea that we give God, before the government, before Uncle Sam, in our case, gets his cut, the Lord gets his. And that was, in the Old Testament, the bare minimum standard of what was required of the ancient Israelites. That was in the law of Moses. So is that all of generosity? Is it just that? Well, it includes that, but no, I think there's more to it. Maybe it's a tithe plus some extra stuff, <laughs> some offerings, what if real generosity is bigger than just the 10%? I mean, you could make a case for that. Israel was required to tithe in the law of Moses. There were lots of other offerings, though, that they gave. What if the standard for us is 10% plus special offerings, like chip in for Chapelwood? Great thing, wonderful, it's good, you should do it. Some Christians practice what's called a graduated tithe. Debbie and I have tried to do this over the years. In other words, every time my income has gone up, we try to increase the percentage that we give to our church. Um, you know, and I, when I say that, it's not like a percent every time. You can negate a raise pretty fast that way. But, you know, by a quarter percent or a, a half a percent or whatever, we've, we've tried to do that. Not been 100% on that, I'll be perfectly honest. It's, there sometimes in life with seven kids, you go, okay, maybe just a quarter percent this time. 
But we've tried to do this, you know, be above and beyond the 10% tithe plus an offering. So I just, I say that not to boast, but so that you will know that I'm not daring you to do anything I'm not trying to live out myself. Is that all of it? Is that what biblical generosity is? Well, here's the thing. Tithing is not the New Testament standard. (laughs) Christians are not required to tithe. Now, in Matthew 23, 23, I think Jesus put his stamp of approval on the practice. He's confronting the Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees and teachers of the law, over and over and over again through Matthew 23. And he says, you you give a tenth of all your mint, dill, and cumin. They're tithing on their garden herbs. (laughs) He says, but you neglect the greater matters of the law like justice and mercy. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 23, 23. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus is okay with tithing. He thinks it's a good thing. Not if you use it as a substitute for true righteousness. But as a general principle, he's okay with that. I think Jesus is okay with that. So if you're tithing, great. If you're not, I dare you to try it. I double dare you to try it. I triple dog dare you to tie it and try it. Here's the thing. I can tell you that in 44 years of life and in 25 years in ministry to seven different churches, I have never met anyone who regretted tithing, ever. I've never met anyone who regretted it. And so maybe the challenge for you today is just the the dare is in the middle of a pandemic to try this. It's just the second day of August. What if you tried it this month? Now, if you don't have any income coming in, it's hard to give on that. (laughs) I get it. But what God expects of us is not the tithe. It's a great practice. It's a wonderful spiritual discipline. It's a great kind of rhythm to build into your life. It will help get the hooks of wealth's seductive allure out of your heart. But the tithe is not what God expects of Christians. So what is? What is real biblical generosity? Here's what it is. It is when God has an all-access pass to our stuff. (laughs) That's what generosity is. The more I study this issue, the more convinced I am that biblical generosity is when God has an all-access pass to our stuff, which is kind of redundant, seeing as how he gave it to you anyway. (laughs) It came from him to begin with. Now, some of you are like, but Casey, I I worked hard for this. Yeah, who made your hands? but I I got all these skills that I worked hard to to get. Yeah, go back and read Exodus. (laughs) Bezazel and Eliab, right? The two craftsmen that built the temple. God gave them the ability to do those things. It comes from him. Your ability to create wealth comes from God. It's all his anyway. Real generosity is when you view everything you have as God's. It's an attitude that leads to action. If God has an all-access pass to our stuff, then we can do what Jesus says and give it away when someone asks. It's his. It's not mine. It's his. If God has an all-access pass to our stuff, then we can balance providing for our family and investing in the kingdom. If God has an all-access pass to our stuff, I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I just have to keep up with Jesus. Y'all can tweet that. Some of you are going nuts right now. You're like, just give me a number. (laughs) 
I don't know. I'm inclined, I think, to agree with C.S. Lewis on many things, but on this too. C.S. Lewis said, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. I'm afraid the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. Real generosity is an attitude that leads to action, which raises the question, okay, how do I become more generous? How do I build that attitude in my heart? I told you what Debbie and I do. It's no secret. I'm convinced, though, that God would have me be more generous than I am. You might keep your finger in 2 Corinthians 8 and then flip back a few pages to 1 Corinthians 16. Paul gives the Corinthian church some nuts and bolts practicality on the how of generosity in this passage. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. He says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of each week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. That's how you do it. Paul, he he gives them a plan. Set aside a little bit. When it's time to give it, give it. (laughs) You know, it, it takes intention and execution, planning and performance. You plan your work, you work your plan. It, it really is that, I mean, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's, it's simple. But we've said generosity is an attitude that leads to action. So how do you change your attitude? Well, 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7, I think gives us two means of becoming more generous. I want to give those to you briefly. Here's the first one. You embrace sacrifice and hardship. The Macedonian churches that Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians 8 He says we're undergoing the most severe trial, is how he phrases it, of extreme poverty. Paul says, and yet they were exceedingly generous. When he says in verse 3 that they gave even beyond their ability, what he means is that they probably gave more than they should have. (laughs) In, In fact, when you know, when, when they're building the tabernacle in the wilderness, you know, Moses has to tell the people, hey, whoa, slow down. <laughs> That's it, we're good. We, we have enough, thanks, you know. And, and, and I think Paul would say the same thing to the Macedonian churches. Like, they're like, oh, but we want to help the Jerusalem church. We, we want to help. We're, you know, be part of this global mission of the church. And, and Paul's like, are you sure you want to give that much? They're like, yeah, here. <laughs> okay. Their hardships are what gave them a compassion that was expressed in generosity. I challenge you this morning, yes, regularly count your blessings, but also look back at your struggles. I I think it's important for us here in America in the 21st century to, to realize that what for us is a really, really, really bad day or a bad week, some of you have not had much work lately because of this pandemic. Brenda Dennis shared earlier about how maybe your job is radically changing. I don't know what it looks like because of all this. That for for some of us here today, what is is a, a rough time for us, we got brothers and sisters in other parts of the world that's every single day for them. What is, what is a bad day for us is their everyday existence. 
That's their normal. And so maybe what we could do is learn to embrace sacrifice and hardship and not view it as an inconvenience, but view it as a means of discipleship that Jesus is changing us to make us more like him. That's one way. The second thing is to experience the joy that comes from grace. <laughs> this, this, there's this massive theme that runs through this passage of how God's grace and the joy that it gives us becomes a means of expressing generosity. Growing in, in the nature of being generous. The Macedonian churches had this great joy in giving because they were living out the grace of God. When there's so much freedom, there's so much joy in living in grace. You know, many of you have listened to Dave Ramsey over the years. Someone will say, How you doing? You know, what's, his, what's his answer, church? What does he say? Better than I deserve. Guess what? That's true for me too. It's true for you. Because apart from the grace of Jesus, we deserve death and hell. We earned it by our sin. And yet, he gives us life, and life more abundantly, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Those are the works of grace in us. Creates generosity in us. When you've experienced the grace of God, generosity just flows out of it. And it gives us joy. True generosity, which is more than just cutting a check, shows that God's work of grace in you has made progress. It shows that you're becoming spiritually mature. And here's the application. If you're going to take the dare to give generously and give God an all-access pass to your stuff, then that means that you'll grow in the discipline of regular giving, but also in the spontaneity of spontaneous giving. It's both. Yes, you grow in the discipline of giving regularly, but you also learn to live pretty open-handedly with your stuff. So that when someone says, I, I need something, can you help me? Sure, here. <laughs> and maybe you learn to keep a little blessing box in your car when you see the homeless guy on the corner. Maybe you learn to carry an extra, instead of carrying a 20, you carry a few fives. To here, 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 something. It, it's, you know, it's a cheeseburger McDonald's, right? And when you do that, something amazing happens in you. Yes, I'm daring you to be generous today. And when we think about the idea that it's our generosity that fuels local and global mission, I'm daring you to be more generous than anyone else on the west side. Now, here's the twist. I know that you already are. <laughs> Let me tell you how I know that. On a year-to-date basis, in the middle of a pandemic, in the summer, we are currently at 99.8% of our budget through your generosity. Amen. That's awesome. <laughs> our, our building loan, our long-term debt, is down to $1.7 million with only seven years left to pay it off because of your generosity. 
because of God's grace expressed in you. Our food pantry continues to provide four times as much food as did this time last year. And offerings to that food pantry are at $5,500 as compared to $1,200 at the same time last year. That's generosity. Our expenses are down. We've had the building pretty much you know, closed down except for the office. Just starting to reopen. But your giving isn't. That's generosity because it's allowing us to be even more generous. We've had additional contributions. This 99.8% of budget does not include this number of 4,100 bucks to our helping people dealing with COVID stuff in our care ministry. This blows me away. This is awesome. I know that you're a generous people. I know that you have a heart for global evangelism. I know that you have a heart for the poor. I know that you have a heart for those whose lives have been affected and they haven't worked because of this pandemic. I know all that. But I also know the corruption of my own heart. And I know the selfishness that I'm inclined toward if left unrestrained by the Spirit. And I know that occasionally I need someone to look me right in the eye and say, I am daring you to go beyond that. I know that my paltry generosity doesn't hold a candle to his. Our God is so generous. Paul said this in Romans 8, 31. He said, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, Jesus, graciously give us all things? God gave us Jesus. Jesus gave us the forgiveness and eternal life through the Spirit. The Spirit gives us the gifts of grace that even includes generosity. He is so generous to us. I dare you to be like him. Do you get the message today? Because our generosity is what fuels local and global mission, God is daring his church to be as generous as he is. Are you? If not, I dare you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to sing briefly, just a short chorus. Maybe this morning you would be here today and have heard Dennis's challenge earlier. I'm going to issue the same one. If you have not received the generous gift of God's grace through Jesus. That's your next step today. So I'm gonna go to the next step room, and if you have a decision to make to follow Jesus, I'd love to see you, I'd love to talk to you about that. Maybe you need prayer, Fred's gonna be down here to pray with you. You respond as God leads you today, let's sing together.